What makes you think you can be Dirty Dan? I'm Dirty Dan. I'd say I'm Dirty Dan. I'd say I'm Dirty Dan. No! I'd say I'm Dirty Dan. No! I'm Dirty Dan. I'm Dirty Dan. No! I'm Dirty Dan. I'm Dirty Dan. No! I'm Dirty Dan. I'm Dirty Dan. Hi, I'm Bobby Skinner, and welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. Justin, I've been thinking about changing up the intro. Like to and it honestly happened because of my whole golf incident, which we'll talk about at the very end of the episode. You know, what we're gonna stick to Giants stuff. Um we've got Danny Shelton and Dan Duggan. So it's the Battle of the Dams. Um great interview with Duggan and the Shelton sign we'll talk about in a second. Justin, I'm, I'm thinking about changing the, the startup of the show. Like, hi, I'm Bobby Skinner, and welcome to Talking Giants with Justin Pennick, presented by DraftKings. Isn't that a reference to something, and I'm having jackass. trouble? Huh, there there we go. Hi, I'm uh, and welcome to Jackass, right? Yeah, like, hi, I'm Johnny I'm, Knoxville, or whatever stunt they were doing. Um, And maybe I'll do it, like, even, like, episode. Hi, I'm Bobby Skinner, welcome to Talking Giants. This is the Danny Shelton, but then people won't get it, and they'll be like, this is like, this guy talks like a robot. Anyways, Justin, how are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, put put together a, a Stations of the Cross prayer service my, for my job today. Um, yeah. I'm feeling holy. Very good. Very nice. Um, Do you celebrate Easter? Nope. Man. Passover. I celebrated Passover on Saturday. Oh, happy Passover. Thank you. Not a, Not Jewish, though. How about that? Well, Look how freaking very, intriguing and interesting I am. Not really. Um, well, no, it's 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 by by the book Bible. I I, I get it. Yeah. Yep. Jesus was Jewish. Um, he was a Jew. Um, next, <laughs> all right. Let's let's get into Danny Shetland. Uh, but first, this episode was brought to you by four very important people. We got Manny Madrigal, Manny Madrigal, Manny Madrigal. We got Kevin Mick Laferty. Which is a mm. crazy, which is almost seems like a fake last name. Like Mick, no. Mick, Mick LaFleury. Mick no. LaFurphy. I know you. You're McMuffin. Dan Caveo, which just reminds me of Dan Saleo, who's one of the dumbest people um, in the world. So I hope you're not like that, Dan. And then Emmett Dean. Jimmy Dean Sausage. Emmett. Emmett Smith. Justin, who are these people? I had some breakfast sausage over the weekend. It was fantastic. Turkey sausage. I'm a big fan of the turkey bacon, turkey sausage, turkey whatever. Even That's turkey what, burger. I had some turkey sausage for dinner. Uh, that's another thing. I, I don't celebrate Easter and I don't eat pork. How about that? Mm. We're just learning so much about And Bobby I'm not Skinner, a Jew. So. All right. Let's, let's, <laughs> who are these people? Um, They went to patreon.com slash talking giants. And Bobby, it's about to be the end of the month. So there's a good chance we may lose some Patreon subscribers. Pay your credit card bills, everyone. It's the end of the month. It's also tax season. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Um, fun fact, if you report to the IRS that you pay a Patreon fee to Talking Giants, it is a tax deductible. Uh, I just got off the phone with the IRS today. So go to Patreon. You can get it off your taxes. Yep, and when we cash out, we have to pay taxes on it. Well, I have to pay taxes on it, which I'm going to start putting. I'm going to put it on your name next year. Sure. Um, or maybe I'll just do that this year. All right, Justin, the Giants signed Danny Shelton. Blake Shelton. Danny Blake Shelton. Justin, we when this happened, well, first the Giants were bringing him in for a meet, uh, uh, a visit. And we and you were talking because we were actually getting ready for the Dan Duggan uh, interview. And I was like, I probably, you know, I didn't know much about him. I was like, I probably won't do a breakdown. 
even though I knew damn well I was going to do a breakdown. I didn't. I thought this was going to be kind of like a not much signing, you know, like like the way I viewed Ryan Anderson and Zach Fulton. Like I don't think these guys are going to start. I think they're good depth. Justin, this is a this is a very important signing for the Giants. We could go into him as a player, but I view him as the third most important free agent the Giants get. Unless if Kyle Rudolph, if Evan Ingram's gone and Kyle Rudolph is the full time tight end, he would drop down the forward for me. But right now, I view him as the third most important free agent the Giants sign after Galladay and Jackson. First off, I want you to go on ProFootballReference.com right now, look up Danny Shelton, and we are going to try to pronounce his middle name together. No, that's going to be it. number one. Do it. We got to. We got. Let's, let's talk some football. Oh, all right. Well, well, we said uh, Danny Blake Shelton. It's actually uh. Salyu Pumuni. Salutations. Salutations, Pumuni. Um, Shelton. So I want I want everybody to do it right now, even if you're driving. I want you to look up Pro Football Reference Danny Shelton, pronounce his middle name, see if I got it right. And also, Bobby, you know, we're we're not I don't think any person wants to give themselves more work on purpose, but we're kind of like all in draft mode. I mean, you know, the day that this episode comes out. It's two days before draft month. I, I'm pretty sure the 29th, the night that we're recording this, it is one month officially until the draft. So we're kind of like in draft mode. So I don't think you wanted to give yourself work on purpose. And if you, and if people have the critique of you of watching all your free agency breakdowns, oh, Bobby just likes every single free agency free agent the Giants sign. That's not the case because Bobby was you were dead set on saying today, this is not going to be anything of significant. This is not going to be anything of significance. This is really going to be nothing. You found something significant, so that's how I, you know, I know that the fact that you found something significant, um, and the fact that the Giants bring this guy in in what is already a crowded interior defensive line room, it may not be as talented as last year because Dalvin Tomlinson's leaving, but it's still a crowded defensive line room. So the fact that they do make this move, um, it says a lot. Yeah, let's talk about him as a player, and then we'll talk about the situation with injuries, the connections, um. 2020 played 12 games, 37 tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss. Um, played 44 percent of the snaps, but if you look at the games where he wasn't, uh, you know, where he didn't miss, and not just the season share, 59 percent of the snaps. Which Dalvin Thomason played 60 percent of the snaps for the Giants in 2020. So this the same the same exact amount, and he is the replacement to Dalvin Tomlinson. Like and by he, the way, by the way, something that I've always said is. Do you really want to pay Dalvin Tomlinson a lot of money to only play to only play fifty five percent of the snaps? I think it was in twenty nineteen, but then even in twenty twenty, it went up to sixty. But still, do you want to pay a guy uh, tens of millions of dollars to pay to play sixty percent of the snaps? Which is why a lot of people have said that run stuffers are replaceable. The roles are replaceable. Yeah, the trade off of the money that Dalvin they're saving. Now we don't know the contract. Um, for for Shelton yet, but with all the other moves, you would assume that it's not a lot of money. Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be the minimum, but I don't think it's going to be a lot. Um, and it's coming off of a you know a two year eight million dollar deal with the Lions, so I, anywhere less than four mil, it'll come out, and I would be happy with with anywhere less than that four million dollar number. Um, in 2019 with the Patriots, Joe Judge connection with 19 and 18 with the Patriots. His best season, 61 tackles, three sacks, two tackles for a loss, played 49% of the snaps, uh, which is right around the percentage of snaps I expect him to play with the Giants. Like, I don't I don't expect him to play 60%. I, I do expect him around 50% because they do want to play Austin Johnson, B.J. Hill. He is a run stuffer. To me, he's just as good as a run stuffer as Dalvin Tomlinson. He really is. 
He's not as athletic as Dalvin Tomlinson, so I'm not going to say that, you know, I don't think he's as good as Dalvin. But he is a beast in the run as a run stuffer. He can play two gaps, which the Giants don't even ask their guys to do that a ton. But he's very capable at the nose tackle. Um, and it gives the Giants the option to play nose tackle. A lot of teams don't use, like, they don't have a guy who could play nose tackle. Um, and the Giants, really, their only guy before Shelton was Austin Johnson. People were talking about Dexter Lawrence, but Dexter Lawrence doesn't play nose tackle. So a move there would be new for him. You know, B.J. Hill doesn't play nose tackle. Leonard Williams, like, they didn't, like, Austin Johnson was it. And that's why we thought Austin Johnson was going to have a big role. He's still going to play. Um, but he's not going to have as big a role now. He's a beast as a run stuff. I mean, I was watching him versus the Colts, versus the Packers. I mean, he was just taking up gaps and just a monster as a run stuffer. Not as athletic as Dalvin, but a beast. And then in the in the past game, he's not he's not going to do anything special, but I also think he can be coached up in the past game because there you know, if you watch my breakdown, my critique is like he's too busy trying to shed blocks in the past game, just push the pocket back. Like if that if I was his coach, I would say stop trying to shed blocks and push the pocket back to allow other people to get the sack cuz you're never going to be a guy that gets 5 6 yeah. sacks Danny Shelton. You're going to get 1 2 and that, that would be my critique for him. So there's even there stuff to work with in the past game. and Although I do think he's going to be a guy that's taken out on third down for, you know, B.J. Hill, uh, or, you know, Leonard and, and Dex will still be on the field. But, like, if it's third down and six, B.J. Hill is getting that rep instead of uh, Shelton. Yeah, Dalvin Thompson, during his tenure with the Giants, never, never put up anything worthy of significance in terms of pass rusher production or numbers. You know, he has his moments here or there, and he's good at collapsing the pocket. And Dalvin Thompson, a quote that he had coming out of college, um, was like, my job, I know my job and my role when I'm, you know, when I am rushing the passer and I have those opportunities, it is to collapse the pocket. And, Bob, this dude's, this, this dude's big. He's a big he's boy. A mo- he's a hog mole. He's 6'2", <laughs> 350. Um, I will say, though, even though Dalvin, you know, his he was never like the pass rusher guy, he is a much better pass rusher than Shelton, though, too. Yeah, so, like, he's a better like, athlete. Yeah. Um, even though Shelton is, is the guy with the former first-round pick. But, yeah, he is a monster in the middle. He's unmovable. He's unmovable. And our linebackers are going to have it so good. They, I mean, they had it good last year, but they're going to have it so good. You can't double-team this guy to the linebacker. you got to just double him. And if, and if you one-on-one block him and you run at him, he's going to shed it. He's going to shed it and make it a tackle for two, three yards. Like he is, like I was blown away. It's like this is the this is the last guy. This is the fourteenth free agent we're signing because I do. He's just he's gonna have an important role. So, uh, this is this is an awesome smart move by the Giants. I hate to lose Dalvin. I love Dalvin, and you know your own guys. You gotta you get an attention to, but losing Dalvin and getting Shelton at whatever you know contract number it ends up at is a huge win when you consider the other team players they added. Yeah, and knowing the numbers uh, that the Giants, and there are verified numbers to this research, Rick sent them to me. He he actually did the research of, research Rick, did the research of knowing the Giants' yards per attempt when Dalvin Thompson was off the field and the yards per attempt when Dalvin Thompson was on the field, and it was substantially different, where the yards per attempt was a lot less when Thompson was on the field. And with this signing, you know, you're, I'm feeling a lot better just overall the Giants rushing defense and the Giants rush defense overall. I'm feeling a lot better um, because they have that depth and they have that one guy, you know, rather than, you know, just taking a chance or relying on Austin Johnson, they have that one guy that's been proven and that's uh, that's been there, done that. Now, here's the risk. 
And this is, we talked about this with Dan Duggan, and, and so we don't have to spend a lot of time, but there has been a change of approach for the Giants. Last year, no injury guys. No guys that had injuries. Like, it it, it, it changed the way we look at this offseason. Now, it, it they did it differently. But going into free agency, the draft, Justin, me and you are like, don't, don't waste your guys, don't waste your time on guys that have been injured. We yeah. thought Galladay would be an exception because of how much he adds, but we would have never thought pre-free agency, oh, Adore Jackson. He missed the past last four games of 2020 with a knee injury, and he also had tricep surgery on January, and, and the Lions, um, you know, released, uh, waved him on a failed uh, physical designation. That's more to save them from an injury, uh, from a, a settlement or whatever. Um, but that is the risk we're taking right now with this free agent hall is we've got some guys, Kenny Galladay, Adore Jackson, and and Danny Shell, even Kyle Rudolph at the foot. Like we are taking a risk on some guys that. Miss games. They like every like those four guys, and we mentioned, like I said before, my most important free agents: Galladay, Adore Jackson, Shelton, and now Kyle Rudolph. All four of those guys missed t- got time in twenty twenty. Yep. Um, we said in a Dan Duggan interview. I'll, get, I guess I'll just say it again, Bobby. There's a reason why these guys are getting to free agency in the first place, and it's funny how maybe a little segue to talk like very shortly, very briefly. John Mara acknowledged that fact in his little interview with the with the daily post that kind of came out of nowhere um there's daily post daily news one of those daily news you miss you mix the new york post with daily news I, but i i'm kind of here for it whoops sorry um a bunch of frauds sometimes with the with the back page headlines neither here nor there um he talked about uh maybe not necessarily taking risks on guys with injuries but just overall the philosophy and spending you know he he talked about the philosophy and spending overall and the quote that he said, you can call us, you can call us uh, dumb, you can't call us cheap. But it's also funny how he acknowledged, yeah, you want to build through the draft and you don't want to overspend in free agency, but we kind of overspent in free agency anyway, so then we're just going to build through the draft anyway. So it, <laughs> the Giants are going for it. I would rather the Giants do this and invest in talent, guys with high upside, rather than guys that are just there and overpay for Nate Solder and Golden Tate. So even if it doesn't work, Bobby, you know, and we're, we're going to kill the Giants anyway... But it's we're gonna have to keep the outlook and the and the and the the perspective of I think we would most certainly rather have Kenny Galladay on the team versus Leonard Floyd, who has been average throughout his NFL career, but the Giants would have paid him top dollar. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt about that with um with Galladay over Lloyd. Um, so yeah, I mean they're taking a risk, but it's you know what they're they're going for it, and I think part of it does have to do with Dave Gettleman feeling the heat. Um. Which we yeah. talk, we talk about that all in the Duggan interview. Um, other notes on this: Kyle O'Brien. We've gotten three lines. That's pretty interesting with with Shelton, Raglan, and then Galladay. Although Galladay, I wouldn't look too much into the connections why they did it. Yeah. Um, two years with New England, so there's a connection there. His best years were with New England. Um, now I don't think Joe Judge was working with the nose tackle a ton in New England, but still, there's a connection. There's a familiarity. They they know who this guy is. You know. Kyle, between Joe Judge and Kyle O'Brien, they know who they're getting as a player, which I do think is very important when you're bringing someone new to your team, even even in the draft. Like knowing that person's mindset, their work ethic, who they are as a teammate is is very important, um, and it's a hard thing to to judge, especially for us on the outside looking in, which makes you feel good. Um, anything else you have on this? I I had some takes about the whole defensive system and and some of the players they have, but. I think we could save that for Friday, maybe, if there's no news before we talk about the edges. 
Um, talking about some of the personnel for this defense, because I do think we're going to be a little more multiple than we were in 2020. Yeah, I mean, there was a rise in three defensive linemen formations when the Giants' edge rusher depth chart was thinning throughout the season. We mentioned, I think I actually mentioned that at last show, but then now it's even more of a prevalent conversation as the Giants stack up on interior defensive linemen and not adding edge pieces, which I don't think that's necessarily the Giants saying we want to ignore edge. I think it's just the Giants recognizing the edge market wasn't fantastic outside of the big names and maybe even the draft, which we're going we're to talk about this on Friday because it's our first draft episode. The edge rusher spot, there's not a lot of edge rushers out there even in like the first couple rounds where we're saying if this guy comes in here day one, like he's going to be our number one best edge rusher, then we can expect him to do decent in terms of sack production and stuff like that. Right. Well, do you want to talk about production, Jetson? Well, grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. Opening day the same day as, as draft month. Draft month a little more important, but still, well, baseball is important. We, we're we big time lovers of baseball on this show. Isn't that right, we Justin? Are. We love Never said baseball. a bad thing about baseball in my life. That's <laughs> Never. right. Teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week. Last year's sh- season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement, and this year's poised to be even better. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you on the field with a chance to turn $1 into $100. It's easy. Place a $1 bet on the team of your choice to win their next game, and if your team records a hit in any point of the game, you collect $100 and free bets. Don't do that. Um, who do the Yankees play on opening day? I believe they play the Blue Jays. Blue, don't do that on the Blue Jays because they're about to get no hit by Garrett Cole. Who do the Mets play? They're playing later that evening. I They're playing the Nationals, I believe. Don't do it the Nationals. DeGrom's going to throw a no-hitter. Do it on the Yankees or the Mets. How about that? There have only been 304 no-hitters thrown since 1876, and only one has been thrown on opening day. This offer is sounding like a grand slam. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions every day of the week, so head to the App Store now to get in on the action. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the baseball team of your choosing records a hit. That's code JOHNBOY to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Minimum $5 deposit, new customers only. Winnings paid out as four $25 free bets. Re- free restriction- restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, we had the always lovely Dan Duggan on the show. He's... One of the first, I think he was the first real guest of Talking Giants. Um, so let's, uh, we got a good 45 minute conversation with it. Here is Dan Duggan. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on from the athletic, a few times been on, Dan Duggan. Dan, first, how's uh, new baby Jackson Charles go- doing? <laughs> Jackson Charles is doing well. Right now he's eating in the other room, so hopefully we can sneak this interview in before uh, he makes his first appearance here on Talking Giants. No, I I, I want to hear him. I want to hear him. Um, <laughs> what do you wish that, for? Um, we we want to, you know, we I'll even put in the description, Jackson Charles' first podcast appearance. Um, be, before that, when uh, when Joe Judge made his joke about man coverage, did people, like, laugh? Like, I, I felt bad for him because it was in the Zoom call, so we got no reaction. He, like, did his little <laughs> his corny joke, and then it's just like, 
all right and just move and that was the end of it it is it is tough it's funny you say that because we're all muted you like have to be muted so yeah it, it, making a joke is really tough it's like a sitcom without a laugh track it's like you kind of need that laugh track uh if you made that at the podium you know people would have cracked up but yeah you're he definitely like he made the joke and then you can tell it's just awkward like all right that's <laughs> yeah he's like all right see you guys uh, i was i was cracking up with that my family appreciated it so yeah that was cool um before we get into more stuff um, will you admit that you were wrong about the Leonard Williams $25 million? Thing? Oh boy. We're going to, we're going to get all your stuff out before, before we get <laughs> into the real stuff. Talk more about my son. Um, no, that's funny. I feel so vindicated and people took that on Twitter and ran with it. Like, let me just, I'll go deep into it here. I miss having a podcast. So you guys are getting the, the full, I'm talking to an adult here. So you guys are getting the full fledged right now. Nobody tells you, and at least in my experience, I mean, I'm not as good as other reporters. Like this is what we're offering. And this is what we're asking for. Neither side. The team doesn't tell reporters we're offering them four years, 80 million. And the agents don't tell you we're looking for four years, 90 million. You, you have to read between the lines a little bit and you talk to people on both sides and you, you get a sense of where things are coming in. And I'd like to think I was sort of out in front and saying that this is way further apart than everyone's thinking. Everyone's thinking you slap the tag on them and you sign them for four years, 19 million you know, per or four years, 20 million per and I was saying, that's not going to get it done. And you look at Leonard Williams' camp, they exercised their leverage to the fullest extent every step of the way. Like, he had a half a sack after getting traded here, but he knew they traded for me. They have to re-sign me. So I'm not going to take some, what they considered below market deal. Slap the tag on me, $16 million in my pocket, no problem. And I'm going to hit the market again when I'm 26. Obviously, it's a great year more leverage they're gonna let me walk after making this controversial trade and having 10 and a half sacks and I'm this indispensable part of the team no but we're not gonna do any hometown discounts because give me the tag 19 and a half million in my pocket I'll hit the market again at 27 and a guy who's had no injury history has made a ton of money as a first round pick fifth year option he's just a unique case where he could afford to take you know kind of bet on himself and he just it just worked out for him every step of the way so when it got down to everyone's saying oh the tag is just a placeholder like, okay, but it was not going to be as easy as a lot of people like making it to, you know, come across and, and lead people to believe. So I, you know, I put that out there, whereas I said closer to 25 than 20. So he signs for 21. What does that tell you? He wasn't asking for 21. This was like a painful negotiations. And finally, you know, Mike Garofalo got people's attention and, and sort of, I don't know, maybe goose the negotiations. I don't know. Cause he put out on that day that they finally agreed to the extension that there was frustration on the giant side that they were at. like, this guy's asking for too much. I think I listened to Mike on a podcast. He said 24 was the asking price. I mean, you have to be realistic. The giants probably wanted to give him 19. It ended up at 21. Fair to assume Leonard's camp is looking 23, 24. That's just kind of, you know, everyone's, a, you know, negotiated by a car. Like people were, people were like at my neck on that. Like, Hey, I never said he was asking for 25. I was just saying it was closer to 25. They were not looking at like Chris Jones as his comp. They were looking at like Joey Posa and Khalil Mack and guys who play on the edge and set the market there. They, they knew they weren't going to get that, but they weren't just going to settle for, Hey, you know what? 20 million, you know, let's just make this easy. Cause he got, not only did he get 20 million a year, that's a great contract for him. It's only a three-year deal. So he's going to get another bite at the apple when the market explodes. And he's, and he's, I keep saying he's very young, very durable. So no reason to think he won't get another big payday, 45 million guaranteed. I mean, that blows away guys who signed four-year deals. I mean, he was getting pretty much equitable guarantee money as guys who signed longer. Um, so it was a very favorable contract for him. 
But yeah, so the, the Twitter became a runaway train where I was like, you know, sources say he's, you know, I don't know exactly what he was asking for, but seeing how the contract played out, I feel very com- comfortable that I was on the right path saying it was a lot cl- higher than sort of the consensus. Oh, it'd be 20 million and, and no questions asked. I mean, it, it was a tough negotiation and, and I think he got the better of it. Yeah, I, I've never seen a player have that type of, like, it was just such, like, he just had so much leverage throughout the whole thing. Like you said, they traded for him. There's no way they're going to let him walk. There are no, there was no, that trade was already criticized a ton and, and rightfully so, but there's no way they're going to let him walk and then has an 11 and a half sack season. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, you can sign me on the tag, but that's going to stop you from doing other moves that you want to do with Galladay Jackson. But I think that was maybe the, the most testy and maybe the first time I've seen you get that testy on Twitter. Was it simply that or, or is Jackson adding add a little stress to you? <laughs> no, that was actually before. Jackson, I think he was born. He was born on uh, yeah, week before free agency. So no, maybe it was him. Uh, the sleep deprivation got to me. No, I guess the problem is is you know it's hard because listen, I want as many people to read my stuff as possible, but there's also like nuance involved. And if you like read what I've written, like, I've written thousands upon thousands of words about the Leonard Williams negotiations. And then you know there's people on Twitter who aggregate. I don't mind it, like whatever. They're promoting my work, but like someone took a reply I had to somebody and amplified it. And then every, it's, it just becomes this ridiculous game of telephone where everyone is, you know, acting like this is what I reported. And you just can't get that toothpaste back on the tube. And it's just frustrating because, you know, even the guy who did it, like, I reached out to him. I was like, that's not what I said. And he tried to clarify. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a runaway train at that point. So that's why I got frustrated because, again, if I knew Leonard Williams asked for $25 million a year, I would report that. Like, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't, like, keep that to myself. I just knew that he was asking for more than what the general consensus was. I'm like, oh, he'll just take a 20 million deal and that'll be that. I knew he was looking for more. I, I thought I made that pretty clear in, in print. But on Twitter, you know, I probably was a little looser with how I worded something and then someone snatched on it. That's where I was, maybe I was a little frustrated myself. Like I should have been more buttoned up. And like, I don't know exactly what he was asking for, but I, I feel like it all kind of came out in the wash. Like if he took a $19 million deal, I would look pretty bad. <laughs> so I was happy to see that he did take, you know, a, a pretty sizable deal and, and on the high end. And of course, he, again, he was never going to get 25 million a year, but you, you start somewhere really high and, and both sides have to kind of work and meet in the middle. When I thought and, was great was when you put out the Adora Jackson asking price too. And then people are like, Oh no, 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 we're not doing this. And then he signs for more than what you were saying. <laughs> I, I was concerned on that one. Cause I was aware of that. Like, I mean, Again, I mean, it's middle free agency. I just reach out to an executive. Like, just give me a ballpark. I had no idea. I mean, the guy got cut making $10 million, you know, for this year from the Titans. So I'm saying, like, that seems like what you would think would be his base sort of asking price because, I mean, he's 25 years old. He's not some guy who's going to have to settle. And so I reached out to the guy. And he said, well, you know, what did Fuller get? I think it was like $9.5 He's like, supposed to get 10 So he's like, I would say 10 Low end eight, high end twelve. I put that out. Yeah, everyone's saying I got him asking for $12 million. And I, I, I just was like, listen, I'm just – passing along information this isn't even from anyone involved in negotiations just to get a sense and then he's nice for 13 million a year it's like you can't win i'm just trying to pass along information people are at my neck and then he gets more so uh it's it's just the joys of this job sometimes yeah and dan god forbid you have an informed opinion right um god- the thing with, with dory jackson was crazy he was like i literally was like i'm not reporting what he's asking for or the giants want to pay i was just trying to you know speak to someone who clearly was informed because they were they were even low uh, just what's this guy's value? And this wasn't yeah. someone studying and wasn't trying to sign him. He's like, off the top of my head, this is what I would say. So I passed that along just because here's what happens. No matter what a guy signs for, Giants fans are like, oh, we got a great deal. Like, you know, I mean, maybe some cynical ones to say otherwise, but I wanted to at least put it out there beforehand so then you can gauge because 13 million a year, that's a lot. Like, that's a yeah. really good deal for him. Now, again, 
I'm not even criticizing it because it plays the way people feel like he can. Hey, no one's going to quibble or a million or two, but I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to like wait till after the fact and then say, Oh, they overpaid. Cause that's kind of fraudulent. I can find out what his market value is. So I found out. So now if I say overpaid, I can at least refer back to, listen, I had heard beforehand that that's, that's higher than what, you know, price value was. Yeah. And my, my father has a saying a thousand attaboys and one oh shit. What do you get remembered for? You get remembered for the oh shit. So I, I think unfortunately in the, the case of the Leonard Williams, uh, little, little mini, uh, hat, mishap that that you had i think that was the case for you for a couple days there but dan we respect you we love you here but i want to start talking about a, a process that was a lot more seemed to be a lot more fun to follow while it was still a little bit more anxiety written a process that was a lot more fun to follow that was the kenny galladay process um and even the adoree jackson process too because both guys were were kind of courted in particular ways but courted in almost as the players were pitching themselves versus the team pitching themselves. So describe to us maybe the uniqueness of this, particularly the Kenny Galladay process of what maybe he had to go through to pitch himself to the giants. What did the giants have to do? Um, maybe give us some, some backdoor stuff. Maybe, you know, about the getting these guys in the building, then getting, getting them on the team. Yeah. I mean, I can really take it from the top with Galladay because coming into free agency, you didn't need to be an insider and expert to know this is the best wide receiver on the market. And I think most of us explaining, I knew the Giants would be interested. I also thought that Jacksonville or, you know, some team, the Jets, some team that full of the cafes would offer him, you know, four years, 80 million on day one of free agency and he's gone. And I just like the Giants aren't going to be able to compete with that. I, I didn't think they would. And as it played out, it's funny. This is why it's so hard to report on free agency because I think I put a tweet out on like Tuesday night of free agency where people were saying, like, who are they going to get? They're going to get called it. And I checked with sources who I trust and who, who know what's going on. And they said, I doubt it. Like, I don't, I just don't think it's going to happen because they assumed like I did that his market would be a lot stronger than it was. But then you get into Wednesday and then I think it was Thursday when they finally nailed down the visit. I mean, maybe it was Wednesday night, you know, it's all running together now, <laughs> but he didn't get a big deal right out of the gates. He's still available. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, let's keep poking around here because, you know, if teams aren't knocking and blowing away with a huge offer, we can bring him in. But I'll also go back. I mean, they went after Leonard Floyd hard. That was their first priority that Monday. You know, they were trying they, – they, before they re-signed Leonard Williams, so his cap hit was still through the roof. They were already at that point trying to line up restructuring James Bradbury, Blake Martinez. They have to have all those ducks in a row because, I mean, you you know you know you can do those, but you need to, like, let those people know, like, listen, if we make this signing, we're going to need to, you know, move some money around. Um, so then when Leonard Floyd doesn't happen, you know, he obviously goes back to the Rams on a big contract. Another thing I got people say, oh, I thought you said they were going to restructure Brad Bay Martinez. <laughs> it's like they only do things when they need, like something like that. You only do it when you need to do it. And then the next day they extend Williams. So it was really much less of a priority. And of course they ended up still doing it once they got Jackson, but I digress. Um, so I think with Galde, it's pretty clear. He said this, and I think people around him said, he always kind of wanted to be in New York. You know, I think that is pretty clear. It's how it ended up. And I think he wasn't willing to just like jump at a one-year off from the Bengals. I think he really wanted to see if he could make work with the Giants. And obviously he took the sort of extraordinary step to come and do, you know, an old school visit. You don't see that for guys of his ilk. I mean, those guys, again, they usually sign within five minutes of, you know, free agency starting. Um, so I think that showed that he definitely, you know, genuinely wanted to give this a shot. Uh, it was a very long visit. Usually even the visits are kind of one day in and out, but I mean, he came in on Thursday, went out to dinner, then all day Friday. And then it took a good chunk of Saturday to, to even hammer out the negotiation. So um, that was a long process. I think there was definitely legitimate questions there. Cause I mean, look at it this way, Joe judge is close with Matt Patricia. And then Kyle O'Brien was in Detroit for Kenny Galli's entire career. 
if there were no questions when Joe Judge is getting intel from two trusted people, they don't need to do all of this exhaustive visit. So there was definitely some red flags and people can say what they want about Patricia, you know, whatever. If one of Judge's, you know, kind of trusted confidants is probably raising some concerns. I'm not, and I don't want to put words in this is going to get aggregated. I don't know what Matt Patricia said. I'm just saying logically, if he was like, he is a one, like he, no problems, everything's going to be perfect. Then you don't really need to dig that deep in a visit, but clearly they had questions. They want to check out the hip. They want to make sure that he was going to fit the, you know, quote unquote culture. Obviously he did because they gave him a $72 million contract. So if, there, if those questions remain, that would be a kind of a, a shaky investment. So clearly they got him in the building um, they both sides felt comfortable with each other, but yeah, it's, it's super unusual. I can't think of the last time a free agent of his caliber, you know, went on a visit like that. I mean, it, it's usually something that's reserved for, we're seeing it now guys lower on the totem pole. We're just trying to get a job and then they're willing to come in and take a physical and do all that stuff. You just don't see the a one free agents doing that too often. This, this year it was hard you know, looking, going into free agency. It's like, okay, last year it was guys they had connections with and like, they didn't look at anybody that had like, or not look, but they didn't assign people with injury issues. Like all the guys they assigned were, was like, okay, they like they play sixteen games every year. Land right. Williams, Blake Martinez, Bradbury, and then, and then again the relationship. Like I mean, every free agent last year, it's like there's a direct coaching relationship. What do you think led to the different approach this year? Where you do have a guy like Galladay who's had some injury issues, Adoria Jackson, who you know, I, it's a red flag, um, and you know. There's no connection to Adore. I know O'Brien has a connection with Galladay, but there's no connection there. Like, what do you think led to the different approach this year? No, I think that's an interesting question. And it's funny because I thought I could look really smart when I did my like potential targets and you just like go through every guy who played for Jason Garrett and Patrick Graham and Joe Judge and like, oh, that, that would be a t- Giants target because that's what happened last year. You know, you like say you go down the line, even guys like Cam Fleming, everybody at, at one point or another played for someone on the staff, but particularly the big investments. Because even, you know, you didn't mention Logan Ryan there because obviously he wasn't in that free agency wave, but he fit the mold too. Obviously a judge and a Graham guy and a no injury history guy. So yeah, they, they took a, a sharp right turn, um, especially the injury front. And that's something I'm surprised on, honestly. I think that is, uh, you know, Joe, I mean, Dave Gettleman on the record had a line a couple of years ago, hurt guys stay hurt. So like what, I mean, that doesn't really jive with what they're doing. So they certainly, um, you know, it's a calculated risk. They had these guys in, they, they were able to examine them. Um, but at the same time, like Kenny Galloway had a hamstring early last season, I think, and then he had a hamstring early in his career. So like, a physical isn't going to tell you that that won't happen again. So there's a risk there. I mean, is this guy going to play 16 games? You can't say that for certain because he certainly he's only done it two out of four years. Um, you know, Jackson's had injuries, injury problems last year. Why do they do that? I think they, they just saw that it's, you know, a gamble and, and they think it's worth it because the talent. Um, they certainly felt like they needed to upgrade the talent. Uh, I think the fact they were able to get those guys in for visits, they probably felt, you know, at least the culture part, um, they were able to dig down and really feel comfortable you know, I don't think they would have made these these types of investments in either guy without getting him in the building. But no, the in, the injury history, the Kyle Rudolph. I mean, he's kind of another guy where they're you know clearly doesn't have injury history, but as a current injury, and they're willing to take a risk there. It's it's a departure from really how they've done business. Because even if you go back to the the bad free agent signings of Dave Gettleman, you know, like Nate Solder, Golden Tate, um, the big investments weren't guys who had big injury histories. So uh, it is it is an interesting change. Uh, I'm sure we won't get a like a really thorough answer from judge on, on why they changed it just to say they felt comfortable with these guys, but uh, it's something to monitor. And, and if these guys are playing eight, 10 games the next couple of years, it's going to be, well, Hey, you know, the warning times are there, um, but they clearly feel that won't be the case. Do you guys get to talk to him again before the draft? Yeah. I mean, if, if they do it like they did last year, uh, I think we got 
um, Judge in like mid-April, and we got Gettleman and Abrams around the same time. And then I think we got Gettleman and Chris Pettit maybe like the week before the draft. And then obviously you get Judge uh, and Gettleman after every night of the draft. But I, we should get him at some point. Um, but I just – I mean, I, I just – he's not going to say like, okay, we took a wild risk. I mean, they're going to – they certainly – um, feel comfortable that these guys, you know, will be able to stay healthy. They wouldn't have obviously made these investments otherwise. Um, but it, it is a risk. You can't, you can't deny that. Yeah. John Mara had a fun quote. Um, he, he did an interview with the post. He had a fun quote. He's like, you can't call us cheap anymore. You can call us dumb, but you, <laughs> you, you, you can't call us cheap. And really what it does come down to, I love how you compared it. Cause that's exactly how I did it in my brain of thinking about the differences in philosophies. Well, it's like, well, do you want the Giants to overpay for talent? And also there's a, you know, there's a whole point of these guys are hitting the free agency market for a reason. You know, the difference between an Allen Robinson and a Kenny Galladay is Allen Robinson plays 16 games, you know, and you know, you want, you know, Kenny Galladay is hitting the free agency market for a reason. So um, would you rather the Giants overpay for guys that play 16 games like Nate Solder or Golden Tate or overpay for talent like a Dory Jackson and Kenny Galladay? But you mentioned Kyle Rudolph. Um, there's two things I kind of want to go back to, whether it's Leonard Floyd, but I'll, I'll, we'll touch on Kyle Rudolph first. What, you know, break us down that that timeline that was the 24-hour chaos period before he actually put pen to paper. Um, you know, I, if you weren't on social media that often, you weren't seeing the updates. So break it, break down that timeline to how he became a giant too. Yeah, so I, that's what's funny, obviously, with free agency. Um, most of these guys don't come and do visits before they sign on the dotted line. So Rudolph was a traditional where, you know, they did it over the phone and um, liked what they heard. So they agreed to a deal. But, you know, it's, everyone likes to say, you know, it's not official until it's official. So you have to come in, get the physical, everything checks out, then you sign the contract. So um, when he came in for the physical, uh, the foot cropped up, and that's what cost him the last four games of last season. It's something that they, you know, he thought apparently – uh, and doctors, I'm sure in Minnesota, and you know, if he's gone to any specialist, thought it would heal on its own. And really, you know, I reported yesterday that it's, you know, it's hard. I'm not getting the precise. No one's gonna tell me this is. It's kind of like the contract. This is exactly what his injury is. But I was told it's similar to what Evan Engram had at the end of the 2019 season. So yeah, you hear the dreaded Liz Frank, uh, you know, tendon thrown around there. It's not like the broken Liz Frank, which is can be like career threatening for these guys. Because uh, I mean, Engram had surgery in December. It's hard to really know his exact timeline because they didn't have any spring last year. But when camp opened, you know, August 1st or whatever it was, he was full go, obviously played 16 games. So it is an injury you can come back from. And, and Rudolph sounds um, completely confident. You know, it's funny. He kept wording it like, I'm not going to miss any football, which is like fun, a funny way to like not really give a timeline. So you're saying like, would you miss spring? Would you miss camp? Like, I don't know. Like, does football mean like NFL games? So yeah. that was kind of a funny wordplay. I don't think it was accidental. I mean, I think he'd be um, sidelined for a bit. I mean, I think you're hoping – you know, day one of training camp. I wouldn't, I don't know if they're even going to have a spring. Wouldn't expect to see him in the spring. If he's just having surgery now, I think it's at least a few months uh, recovery. I think the interesting part with that is the Giants didn't rework the contract. Uh, I mean, listen, they are known as a very classy organization. Uh, Rudolph said that, you know, and, and they are very like stand up guys, anyone who works there. And this is like, I'm not mocking them. This is hundred percent factual. And it's to their credit from the, you know, the janitors to the players, to everyone in between, says nothing but great things about playing for the organization. So maybe that reputation can kind of make them a little too generous. I mean, they don't maybe want to play hardball because Kyle Rudolph is this great Walter Payton man of the year type guy. And, hey, we agreed to a contract. We think the foot's going to be fine. So we're going to stick by our word. It's not my money. So, hey, God bless you. But I might have put some per-game roster bonuses in there. I might have done some things like that. I mean, you don't even have to take money out of his pocket. You might just say, let's earn it by being healthy rather than just saying, here's the guarantees. Uh, we're not going to touch it. But, hey, again – 
they feel comfortable with it. I, don't, I haven't looked at the x-rays and they also, that's just how they operate. They're not really hard, the most hardball negotiators on something like that. So, um, you know, Kyle Rudolph is going into the surgery with a lot of goodwill towards the giants, uh, not feeling like, Oh, they try to screw me over and, and nickel and dime me. So, um, maybe that, if nothing else, that peace of mind, you know, will pay itself back because he's going to be motivated to, you know, help the team. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, it was, it's never a tough moment, you know, it's like, you think, you know, this guy has been around forever. It's a low maintenance guy. Like it's going to be a, you know, a nothing signing and all of a sudden that crops up. Um, but obviously they got resolved pretty quickly and the end result is, you know, the same as it always was. I didn't want to interrupt you, but speaking of tight ends, Evan Ingram traded to the chargers for a fourth round pick breaking news. You're, you're lying. <laughs> and I'll see if I could get I, I could I get Justin on that all the time I keep I'm, poker face as I pull my phone out just to be sure no no I, I'm just kidding I want I wanted to see if, if we could get like Dan Duggan like all right I gotta go um but- <laughs> I, well here's what I'll say I mean listen I know where I fit in the totem pole I can't believe that people like Adam Schefter and Ian Rapport would even do podcasts like ever let alone during free agency but I think uh you know I heard they were no Mike Garofalo was on you know some small podcast the other day I'm like, what are you doing like aren't you just on your phone all the time like how do you even like take a shower let alone take 20 minutes to you know talk listen I know you are very sourced and, and do a good job breaking news I don't know how those guys have lives those no, those I don't, I don't think they do I mean it's weird it's like <laughs> I mean there's, there's there's a level of this where obviously I want to be as successful as possible but I look at like Adam Schefter did a day in the life during free agency a couple of years ago I'm like that just sounds horrible like, I'm sorry <laughs> know, it's miserable but live like that but I also I also just interrupted a possibly really good radio moment where we would have gotten Dan Duggan to just you know, we would have gotten you to just get up and leave and leave. Um, but I'm <laughs> so shell shocked all the time. I'm, I was about to say, I'm so it. I'm so shell shocked because Bobby does that to me all the time. Breaking news. And I'm so gullible and then I get anxious and I believe it. So I'm, I I ruined a really good radio moment. Believable. I had to like take a second to try and read you there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. It's funny, like right after they signed Rudolph, the reports, oh, they're not going to trade him. Just like after the 49ers trade, they're not going to trade Jimmy G. No one's going to come and say, yeah, this guy's available. Like, you know, come take him off our hands. I think that they do want to keep him, but it opens up some options. I mean, they have four NFL tight ends right now. They're all going to play. I mean, I know Lee Galulo and, and Caden Smith are a little lower in the totem pole, but they have options now by adding a guy like Rudolph. And, and, and this was actually my way of bringing that up. From the outside looking in, it's just, I, like you said, there's reports that they like him. Um, they want to keep him, but it's just you have now you've signed Rudolph. He is a part of this year's plans, no matter what. You restructure Levine Toilolo, which is like I was actually fine with that. I know a lot of people did. I, I was fine with that. I was like, hey, they use him more three tight end sets than anybody in the league besides the Browns, and they use him. So I was fine with that. But then when you add Rudolph, it's like, well, why did you do that? And people are like, well, Caden Smith is on the chopping block, but it's like they paid Caden Smith almost you know more than two times what they did Levine Toy Lolo so they like Caden more than Toy Lolo it's just from the outside looking in it's like oh they're definitely trading Ingram but everything we hear is that they like them and and they're not going to yeah I mean I think it's a deal where I don't think we're you know maybe you start getting some rumors if something gets close but it it doesn't do them any good to be like yeah listen he's on the block I mean you know they might have those conversations and Joe Judge is at Miami's pro day he might sidle up to somebody say hey what do you need a tight end you know what I mean like that would be how it would start they're not going to probably leak that right now but uh, I think it'll be very interesting in the draft. I and mean, obviously if they take Kyle Pitts at 11, which I don't think anyone thinks he'll be there, that would be a pretty good giveaway that they're probably going to make a move. But um, yeah, after the first day of the draft, I mean, could you see a, a day two pick or even a day three pick for him? If they like the way the board's shaping up, I, I can't rule it out. Again, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I'm basing that off of, you know, what we're talking, whatever the, I don't know what day today is. I mean, the days of the week just run together for me now, but 
um, things can change, you know? So what they say now, I, I, I don't think Joe judge has been doing this elaborate smoke screen either. I think he genuinely likes Evan Ingram, but I mean, everybody's got a price and, and they have Kyle Rudolph. So they have a legitimate NFL tight end if healthy. Um, and they have, you know, three bona fide wide receivers now. So like, you know, listen, it's a good problem to have, but where are all these guys going to fit? And if you can get something for Ingram, I, I don't think it'd be a crazy thing to, uh, to make a move. Yeah, especially with on last year deal. No, it's no dead cap if they trade him to correct, right? And, right. and like I said, it's a last, last year deal. So my big thing, I, I pick certain things to just bang the drum on. And, and mine is like extend guys early. Like enough of this, like every guy's like going into his last year, like whatever people think about Landon Collins or the, you know, the contract he got was crazy. But like they could have re-signed him most likely, I would I would like to think the previous year at a much more reasonable contract. And again, you might say, well, good, you know, they, they avoided one there because he hasn't, you know, done that well in Washington. But Dalvin Tomlinson, like all these guys are getting to the last year of the deal. They've been quality players, and you can't just keep letting them walk. So either Evan Ingram's part of the future, and I would extend him. And again, Giants fans might say, oh, I don't want any part of that. Well, that's fine. If he's not part of the long-term future, why not trade him and, and get a third round pick, fourth round pick, whatever it may be. I don't know what the value is, you know, at this point, maybe fourth round, probably more realistic. Uh, same with Jabril Peppers, though. Like, if these guys are part of your future, don't wait. Like, I mean, I know it takes two to tango, but if I'm them, I'm I'm open to listening to to you know you know locking something in, get some guaranteed money, especially both those guys have some injury history. So I just think the like kind of going station to station, year to year with some of these guys is really not the best way to operate. So again, if Ingram's part of their plans, you know, God bless you, but lock them up then. Like, why why uh, drag it out? And then you have to like budget for him and free agency next year, all this stuff. Like just do it now if, if you can and lock up a guy who you think is a core piece. Otherwise I definitely get to be open to, to moving on. So Dan, in terms of that, in terms of philosophically how the organization operates, I know I, and this is when I was like growing up, you know, Eli would never get on the last year of his deal. Um, they did it with Victor Cruz. They didn't let him play on the last year of his deal. Um, they did it with OB. They did it with Odell. You know, they, he didn't play on the last year of his deal. So Typically, you know, at least this is always how my brain works. If a guy does get on the last year of his deal, that's a pretty good sign. And I'm talking about players that are worth something substantial to the franchise, like a Dalvin Tomlinson, right? Like an Evan Ingram, you know, they're worth something. Former first round pick Evan Ingram, Dalvin Tomlinson has the C on his jersey. So do you, has that philosophy maybe of the Jerry Reese days, do you think that's kind of changed? But Kevin Abrams is still here, or is it just now a free-for-all where they're willing to let guys go on like the last year of their deals? I mean, I think it's it's nuanced because obviously you gotta factor in what their cap situation is different yeah. years, what their depth chart is. So you like I, I didn't I didn't think Melvin Thomason was coming back no matter what. Like I just the way that they had built that position up, it just he was going to cost something. Even if you extended him, he was going to cost something. So I just, I couldn't see how they're going to fit him in because Dexter Lawrence, if he keeps on the trajectory he's at, he's going to command a big payday in the near future. So I don't know how many of those guys you could pay. Uh, but even Reese, I mean, I only covered, you know, the tail end of Reese. They, they were definitely on some of those big guys, you know, they, they extended early, but there was still the Linville Josephs and the, even Jonathan Hankins, like all these guys who've slipped through the cracks who were like quality second round picks and, you know, third, fourth round picks, those types of guys like Devon Kennard, like, those are the guys you lock up. Like it's, mm. it's kind of obvious to lock up Odell or like, cause it's going to be a problem if you don't, I mean, obviously that's where they got into in that situation, but uh, they did with Sterling Shepard a couple years ago. So it's not like they've totally abandoned that philosophy, but like all of those types of players, that's how you build your core. And that's why you don't have to go and spend like $18 million to fill a hole. If you, you know, get a guy a little early, a second round pick who hasn't made that much money in his first three years, you're going to get a little discount there, you know, presumably because he's getting some guaranteed money in his pocket um and again that's what they did with Shepard do it with a guy like Slayton just guys like that like that middle tier 
that's how I want to build my roster. I don't want to have to go into the draft and address holes because I'm not resigning guys or have to just go break the bank because I let a guy walk. So, um, you know, like say they signed Damon Harrison after they let Joseph go, uh, stuff like that. I, I, that's not the way to, to build it, in my opinion, or at least not the most efficient way. So, again, that, just to go back to the point of like anger and peppers, I think you determine now if they're part of the future. I don't think this next season is really going to tilt the scales dramatically. They've been around for a while. Um, you should have a pretty good book on them. So that's something I'd like to see them adopt uh, more frequently. And then and on the flip side, if you're not going to keep those guys, then, then you probably should be looking to move them. Like Dalvin Tomlinson, if you got a fourth round pick at the deadline last year, you're one in seven. Wouldn't have been the worst idea to do that, you know? Justin, ask your roster question. Oh, ask my roster question. So <laughs> I mentioned before um, that I value your informed opinion. Um, and you were in trouble for your informed opinion a, cu- a couple weeks back. But Listen, I want to hear. I get Bobby to ask the Leonard. Justin, were you listening? I was right on the Leonard Williams thing. Come on, Bobby. Well, no, you got in trouble with other people, but other right, people are right. silly. Other people are silly. We're, we're not silly. We're passion 10 minute opening answer and then you're like oh we got that one wrong no no o- no other he's people saying the do. reaction to it. reaction <laughs> but other people are silly we're all we're all us three are the smartest people in the world so i want to hear your informed your informed opinion on what you like how do you value how do you look at this giants roster right now because fans pre-free agency you know we're we're, we're probably still thinking yeah, a little bit of rebuilding still to do but post-free agency you know now we're there's three fan bases in the NFC East that are all saying we should have no excuse to go out, but to win the NFC East. So do you think that's a realistic, realistic expectations that giants fans and that the giants should have, how do you still evaluate this giants roster? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Cause it's funny. If you would ask me, you know, two weeks before for agency, you know, I was checking other people and I got the sort of, uh, I don't know, like maybe we make one splash, but we're going to probably be conservative. It's a long-term thing. You've heard Joe Judge say that all the time. We've got to keep the big picture in mind. We're not trying to like, you know, do band-aids and quick fixes. Yeah, John Mara in the past has really like lamented how 2016 was fool's gold. So I was fully expecting maybe you take the one big swing, whether it's Leonard Floyd or Kenny Galladay. And I did not see the second big swing with Adore Jackson. I did not see all the restructuring of contracts and the, the totally backloading of contracts. Like they're kind of going all in, which – you know, teams that go all in are usually like Super Bowl contenders. I mean, even at, at the best case, I don't think the Giants are Super Bowl contenders. So it's it's an interesting approach. But then you reference that Mary interview with the Post, uh, I think it was on Sunday. You kind of see where it's coming from. I mean, he it was funny. He said, like, I'm not into playoff mandates, but basically they better make the playoffs. I mean, you know, you're paraphrasing, but it was like, well, all right, you just, you just paid $200 million in free agency. Playoffs aren't the expectation, John. Like, what, like when you're just going to, like, kick back and let's see how this thing goes. I mean, no, like, it's – it's kind of time. If they had done the sort of uh, slower build this offseason and more conservative, then I think you would have had a little more time. Now, granted, fans would have not been very patient with that approach, and they would have, you know, let their voices be heard. John Mara clearly wouldn't have been very patient. But if they had done that, you would have said, okay, let's get to 8-8, eight and eight, or I guess 9-8 and eight with this 17-game uh, schedule mm-hmm. nonsense. But um, – and you would have said, okay, you're still taking steps. You're still taking, I mean, they hit the accelerator on the rebuild. I mean, if they're not – 10 and God, I hate the new records thing. If they're not an 11 and 16 and, and really contending this year, I think that's uh, going to be a problem because again, you, they put a lot of their eggs in, in the basket of this offseason, making big, big signings, tying up a lot of future cap. And I know everyone's expecting the cap to go through the roof. I don't know that it goes through the roof next year. So I think they're going to be somewhat limited next offseason. I mean, again, we know they can always make things work. They don't want to be a team that ends up like the saints and, you know, totally get hamstrung by the cap. So, um, yeah, no, I think the, the expectations totally changed. I think it's, it is realistic because, again, you look at the divisions and there's no, you know, world beaters in the division. 
Um, if you looked at some of their biggest holes, wide receiver is certainly one of them. They got the best one available. Cornerback number two was certainly one of them. They got, you know, the best cornerback two they certainly could have got. Um, you know, they paid him in you know, borderline cornerback one money. So he better be the best cornerback two. Um, and, you know, they, they re-signed Leonard Williams. They, they have the draft to, you know, potentially, you know, maybe address edge or whatever else you think the big needs are. If this team is seven and – God, I hate the record. Seven and ten. <laughs> I know. I hate it too. It's just it's just going to ruin it. Like, you know, nice even numbers. But if they're seven and ten or something, I mean, eight and nine, that's going to be a big disappointment. And the owner is basically on record already saying that. Like, you know, he wants to see uh, some progress. And, again, he, he'd always tap dance. The other one would say, like, they need to make the playoffs or else. But, I mean, are you kidding me? If they go seven and ten, is Dave Gettleman back for another year? No chance. I mean, they yeah. need to make some serious, serious progress and tangible progress, not – Oh, you know, the culture and no, like they need to win games, period, point blank. Yeah, there's no possible way with, with Gettleman because I mean, like you said, the defense ready to roll. You know, you failed cornerback too. I'd say outside linebacker is still the weakest spot on the team. Sure, but sure. with everything else around that, you can live with that. Um, and then, you know, on the offense, which I want to ask about the offensive line, a lot rides on Jones, and that's the guy that Gettleman drafted. So if he, you know, takes that step forward, it looks and make the playoffs, looks really good on him. If the opposite happens, it looks really bad on them. But I will say, offensive line and outside linebacker seem to be the two, you know, quote unquote holes. Offensive line much more important. They got a guy they guys they like in Gates and Thomas. I think those. I think everyone feels confident about those two going in to 2021. Even if Thomas struggles a little bit, I think people feel good about him. Um, the rest is a big question mark, though. You know, the tackle one. I think that we'll know better about that one after the draft. Um, but guard, for, before we get into how they play that, what happened with Will Hernandez? Because, you know, obviously the COVID, he got benched for COVID, not due to his play. But then they do the rotation. But week 17, they didn't they didn't play a single snap. There's so many conspiracy theories because we haven't heard anything. And from the out, you know, you know, they they evaluate their roster a lot better than, you know, myself or other people. But it seems like myself and everybody who watches this is Hernandez is better. What happened to Will Hernandez? Yeah, well, I think your point on week 17 is, is telling because, again, they want to talk about, oh, no, we were rotating, which was always like – Judge would always say that like we weren't watching the games. Like, yeah, one guy's playing 45 snaps, one guy's playing 15. That's technically it's a rotation, but it wasn't like, oh, we view them equally. Like, why does one guy always start and finish and play most of the series? So, clearly they had Lemieux uh, ahead of Hernandez and, like I said, didn't play in week 17. Didn't play Matt Parrott in, in week 17 either for a guy who they're, you know, they're high on, but when they needed to win – um, you know, to get in the playoffs, they went with obviously who they thought their best five were and Hernandez and Parrott weren't among them. Uh, with Hernandez, yeah, it's, it's hard to get a really direct answer, especially with COVID because like, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had it. I don't know how it affects people. It affects everyone differently. He's a big guy. You hear different things with that. Um, but I think that definitely it knocked him back. You know, I think physically, like not just, you know, he missed two weeks of practice, missed two weeks of playing. Uh, I think it did have some impact. I think it was, you know, had to knock some rust off to get back. But I also think they liked what they saw, you know, when Shane Lemieux went in there. Now, I know you do your line breakdowns, and uh, I don't know if you liked as much as what they did, but I think they just feel like he fit better what they wanted. You always have to keep this in mind. And um, whenever, whenever you're talking about regime turnover, Will Hernandez was not a Joe Judge guy. Shane Lemieux was. Like, coaches, like, they have their favorite sons. Like, this is the guy we scouted. Like, we drafted this guy because we probably didn't like Will Hernandez that much. I mean, that that all is a factor, as much as we want to think, like, it's professional sports and everything is a meritocracy. Um, so they clearly see something in Shane Lemieux that they like better than what Will Hernandez brings. Now, 
as of right now, they might be the two starters. So they might start to like Will Hernandez, but it feels like they're looking for excuses or not excuses, but options there, whether it's Zach Fulton, whether they, I, I think they'll probably take a guard in the draft. Maybe obviously we don't know at 11, if they could take like a Rashawn Slater and, and slide him in or in the second round, there's some guys in that range, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If Will Hernandez is not in the starting lineup, uh, you know, in the opener this year, but as of right now, you know, I think he's, he's definitely in the mix, but it just feels like, you know, the COVID, I want to say it was an excuse, but once they got him out of the lineup, they were certainly not eager to get him back in there. Yeah, it's, 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 I've tried to figure it out and, you know, it's like, is it all field? But it's like, you can't speculate on that type of stuff. And I, um, I haven't heard anything along those lines either. And he's a okay. kind of lunch pail guy. I don't think he's any problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they don't like his almost Friday Instagram post, but I, I love those ones, those. So, uh, <laughs> okay so you mentioned you mentioned taking a guard and you put out your mock draft today and you had landon dickerson in the second round who's a guy i love but i was like giants aren't going to touch him because of the injury issues do you think that mindset we talked about earlier is going to change the way they look at the draft a little bit too well i mean it changed the way i looked at it i'll say that much you know because i i can't stand and say oh the giants won't touch a guy with injury red flags because they just spent you know 100 million dollars on on two guys with uh injury issues and then also you look at even dalvin thompson it's a guy who towards it I think he tore each ACL um, before he got to the NFL. Didn't stop the Giants from taking the second round. Now I know <clears throat> Judge and Gelman weren't here, but you know the same ownership, just a lot of the same face in the front office, same medical team uh, cleared him to be a you know a second round pick. So um, he, Dickerson feels like a guy who fits what the Giants want. Um, you know, Alabama guy, you know, produced at uh, you know SEC school. Um, I think he would be like pro ready, but certainly you know, he's you know, coming off a torn ACL has had a ton of injuries in his past, you know, that would be a red flag. I mean, listen, when you're doing a seven round mock draft, I don't have as much information as my disposal as Chris Pettit and, you know, all the people that are going to be in their war room. So you're just trying to give an idea of guys, you know, in that range. I think Wyatt Davis won a few picks before in the mock draft. I did maybe he's an option. I just think that that just seems like a, a spot. Like we knew in 2018 after the first round was over, like Will Hernandez was screaming out, like that's who they're going to take if he's there. And I mean, we're doing this, you know, a month out, no idea how the board is going to shake out, but just right now it looks like that's a pretty good spot for them to probably target a guard, especially if we're talking like if they don't think Hernandez is uh, is the guy and he's in the last year of his contract. Anyways, it seems like that's a pretty good spot to target uh, a guard. So whether it's Dickerson or somebody else, I, I just felt like that's where I wanted to um, you know kind of target for them in that spot. Right. So we'll finish it off. Something that we kind of didn't hear much about. One. Why did they go after Kyle O'Brien and, and quickly? I mean, he was fired and it was like, I think it was the next day he was there. And what what is he adding to them? Because it kind of seems like they made up a new role for him. Like, what is, do you know, do you have any insight on what the Kyle O'Brien's going to bring to the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I've done a little bit of poking around on that. I mean, it hasn't obviously been the, the preeminent storyline of this team because since he came along, it was kind of right into free agency. Um, now, he wasn't in New England with Judge. So, I mean, there's just, you know, Judge has kind of that, that whole New England tree has a lot of branches throughout the league so I think you know I think they're mutual friends and you know he met him through you know Bob Quinn and Patricia I'm sure uh, over the years um so I mean when you first look at it like oh that must be a guy Judge brought in I'm sure he had a voice in it but Kyle Bryant's also been around the NFL for a long time so I think other people you know within the organization you know had relationships you know working relationships with them um so yeah I mean as far as I understand right now like you said, they did kind of make up a title for him. It's very vague. I was like senior football executive or something really generic. Um, doesn't really lend uh, any insight into what his role will be. I'm told he's working mostly on the college side, but we'll see okay. how that 
kind of changes. I mean, that's sort of what they probably felt like they needed at this point. The free agency stuff was sort of put to bed by the time he came on board and really, you know, tapped into him a little bit there. Um, I think he's more focused on the draft. And then we'll see how his role evolves. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think you can look at it and say, you know, is that Dave Gellman's successor? Would make some sense just based on his track record. I mean, he's a guy who I think openly has said uh, that he wanted the giant job when Gellman got it. Um, was certainly been angling to, you know, he's been kind of the number two guy at different spots, angling to, to make the leap to be the head guy. Getting a little ahead of ourselves there, but that's just kind of logical dot connecting. If, if things work out a certain way, not a stretch to think that, you know, that could be his eventual role. All right. I, I said that was the last question, but I'll finish off with this. Is your three-point shot still as good as it was in high school? Or or did you just share your best game? Because I, hmm. I, that's something I would do. Like, hey, I scored 25 in this game, but I averaged 11 yeah. during the season. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, sharing the game. I was like one for seven from three. <laughs> uh, but no, listen, between COVID and, uh, and having two kids under three, the basketball game is, is quite rusty. So hoping to get vaccinated here sometime soon, get on the court. That'll be my like two-hour respite per week that I can uh, – Try and knock some of this rust off, but no, it's certainly not uh, not looking like it was back in that uh, that clip you're referencing on Twitter. All good, all good. If, if it, it uh, and I, I figured out why you're you're D Doug in 21 on Twitter. That's where you could go follow him. Dan, it's a pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, if nothing else, thanks for letting me clear up the uh, Leonard Williams uh, fiasco. No, I knew you'd want to. Like you said, you don't have the podcast anymore. I knew you'd want to get on the microphone. So I, we wanted to bust your balls a little bit about that because it. it it, like I said, I don't see you get flustered at all. And that was the first time. Like Dan, Dan's annoyed at Twitter. Like I've never seen him before. So it was, it was fun to see. All right, Dan, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. No holds bad. He he took me in the low post and won. But I think we had on the Vasity. All right. Thank you, Dan Duggan, for coming on the show. Make sure to go give him a follow. Subscribe to The Athletic. Um, Justin, do we have anything we got to close out on? Uh Seeing Joe Judge and Bill Belichick at the Miami Pro Day was pretty cool. I mean, that was just a great photo photo op for the two of them. Michael Parsons uh, reposted something from the Giants Instagram page saying that who who's who's going to get drafted to what. So yeah, sure. That means we're going to draft him, just like we we're going to draft Dwayne Haskins because he kept on posting stuff in Giants gear. And we were going to trade for Yannick Ngakwe because he kept on uh, pu- putting pictures up of Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> um, so, 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 so that's 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 a done deal. Um, Hablando Gigantes went very well. Thank you very much hmm. for those who supported that. That went awesome. They literally got to talk about two trades for in the draft live on air, which was fun. I was very happy for them. Uh, oh, and I fought the entire golf community. Oh, and that. That was fun. We we were not going to go. That was so funny. The the people were getting mad. That fantasy football, um, Lindsay or whatever. I think it's Linda. 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 Um, She's all right. Linda sounds like a name. I have ice in my mouth. It's like it's a Karen. Linda name. sounds. No to, I you know it sucks if your name's Karen and you're like a fun person. You ever think about that? It's like, oh, well, I'm going to hear this joke forever. Linda sounds like a person who would get upset by. A golf joke. Yeah. And people acted like I kicked a puppy. Like, they, they acted like like that joke was like I like walked around a corner and, like, scared a toddler. The joke was Bobby Skinner was on a highway, which who puts who puts a golf course well, by? Well, it wasn't on a highway. It was just on a regular street. On a regular road or something like that. So, uh, I mean, I guess every road in Florida is a highway since nobody's, nobody's ever on the road. So, he's driving by the golf course. 
and he honks the horn as soon as the guy's like probably like in his backswing and and the guy got upset and Bobby Skitter was laughing his it was a very funny video he was laughing his ass off and uh, it was a great video I I watched it probably 22 times and yeah, I left each it time. was it was a funny video and then just golf people were like acted like I was like it was a, it was disgust like they had disgust in that and it's like it's that was like that was funny like even if like hey like yeah was it a dick move yeah but it was still very funny and then Liam Sheehan I mean maybe our listen this is a high bar but I think it might have been the best listener content ever with yes. him throwing the golf club and saying you ever thought I'd play you thought I'd play this sport I I really do like I I was like Liam Sheehan who, who's already a patron I was like send me your address again I'm sending you stickers like that yep that I thought I really do think that was the best um listener content we've ever had ever like that was it i died laughing watching that like 20 times i caught like laughing so hard that i like went into a coughing fit it was it was great <laughs> this is my reply to linda in terms of how she imagine thinking this is funny so i said linda you're so right i'm not sure how that poor man is ever going to get over that traumatic event i wish there were violins playing behind me i'm praying for him and his family I hope he has the strength and courage to pick up his golf club someday after the horror he had to experience today. The way people reacted, that sounds like an appropriate response. Yes. Like that sounds like an appropriate re- response the way people got mad at that. Boy, that's what that's the, literally the reason I make fun of golf is because of those responses. And I know that there is a, like a lot of people, like there's people who were responding like, I golf all the time, this is hilarious. So this, you know, obviously this isn't, you know, joking about those people but it's it's making fun like you you there's no other sport where you get that response from messing with them like there's there's just no other sport even bowling bowling you could scream in someone's you know backing or whatever oh um, you got it yeah you got to focus up in bowling like like you'll never get that response for any other sport for something so so innocent as honking their horn on a sunday morning out of like a golf course where it's 20 bucks to b- golf 18 holes all right all right we appreciate you guys um oh richard b been a long time supporter one of the first people to like interact with me on twitter like i followed him he's, he's a member of giants twitter richard b getting serious no lost his mother th- uh this past weekend oh prayers out to him i know a, a good majority of the people who are listening to this know um you know richard said you know he was not happy it happened, but he he had made peace with it and knew it was happening. So, just um, you know, think think of Richard B. Appreciate you. We love you, Rich, and we love all the rest of the listeners too. We appreciate you. Until Friday, draft month. Let's go, big blue. <laughs> <laughs>